Welcome to episode 238 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Sunday edition, and I am Paul Spore. Joined, as always, on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, we got some big news to talk about. How are you doing this Sunday evening? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny how that stuff works out. We're just sitting down to record, and, and then I get a text message from a friend that's three exclamation marks. That's what it was. And I was like, <laughs> hmm, what's this about? I go to Twitter, I'm like, whoa, Carlos Correa's been called up. I love it. Yeah, that's obviously, that's the, that's the big news right now that we're dealing with. You know, uh, here's the thing. And I think this gets repeated every time someone big comes up, but I'm going to do it because it, it it matters. And it's not to be mad uh, or, or say you can't ask the questions, but I'm, the answer is always going to be I don't know in terms of when prospects get called up. We have no idea because what would have made us think that Correa was going to get called up right now? In fact, right now was when people were saying that, oh, it's going to be a little bit longer because the heel is nagging on him and, and he hasn't exactly destroyed it in AAA. He's simply been, you know, good when you compare age uh, relative to the level that he's at, you know, and then all of a sudden he's called up. So, again, we just don't know. This is huge, though. I think that uh, Correa, upon call-up, instantly becomes – a pretty high caliber shortstop, and a lot of it has to do with the position being terrible. I'm generally a little bit cautious on younger guys like this, but when you're talking about this position, the barrier for entry to be serviceable in all formats just isn't high. So uh, I think Correa can instantly be probably close to a top 12 shortstop. Yeah, the uh, the, the barrier to entry I think is, is critical there because when you look at shortstop, you know, I wrote an article the, this weekend for Rotowire looking at, at the crap show that is Ian Desmond. Of course, he had a home run today, yeah. which you know continues my streak of, of trashing a guy, and then he goes out and hits well because Steven yeah, Souza was the guy that I did before. The anti anti Jonah Carey. Yes, pretty much. Uh, but you, the the as you said, the position is terrible because people spent money. I mean, Desmond was an upper twenty dollar player. I love. And him. you look at shortstop right now. And when I'm looking at the using the dollar values, current to date dollar values. You know Escobar is seventh overall. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. No, but it's it's Hanley, Peralta, Crawford, Tulo, Echeverria. Hello, uh, Semyon, Escobar. Hell, Cozart is Cozart's worth more. Up there, and notice, yeah. notice who I haven't mentioned yet. Not Castro. Not uh, Reyes. Not Desmond. Not Rollins. You know, Alexa guys that we're Ramirez. used to seeing up there, they're not there. It's just it's garbage at this position this year. It's really much bad. like catcher. At least catcher, most of the dudes are hurt. Yeah. But outside of Jed Lowry here, these are healthy guys just staking it up. No, it, it, it's it's really bad. I, I, I on our on our rankings, um, I put Correa at twenty. Uh, you know, kind of hedging for the fact that I didn't know when he would come up, but I really figured it would be this month at some point. Um, you know, if it was toward the end of the month, three weeks from now, uh, 20 feels feels more right. But now, like I said, I think he's creeping on that uh, on that top 12 quite a bit because, uh, you know, I kind of buy Wilmer Flores' his power, but Xander Bogarts, you know, isn't isn't overwhelming right now. I mean, it's good. I, I, like, the, I like the 295 uh, batting average, but a 103 ISO <laughs> – it's not doing much for me. So, you know, as much as I like some of the growth that we're seeing from Bogarts, I still think it's probably a year away from high impact. And, and Correa maybe too because he's young. But given what he's doing right now and the way he hit the ground running this year, I, I think Correa could be a very high impact player. So let's talk about 
what kind of bids are going to go out there. Now, this one is not going to be as widespread because he's been getting picked up in leagues for the last couple of weeks pretty rapidly. Like he's only available in one of my leagues right now, and it's a league where you can't pick up minor leaguers. They they forbid it strictly for this purpose to to kind of have them be uh, bid upon. Uh, yeah, so so I, I kind of like it. So we I, we will have someone, and so there's plenty of leagues where that will still happen. But this isn't uh, somebody who's going to be on the overwhelming majority of leagues. But let's talk about what you're willing to pay for him. Let's say a 12 team mixed league, Jason. Carlos Correa the rest of the way, and you do need shortstop. You're not quite at the bottom, but let's say that uh, it's definitely an area of need. You, you're kind of trucking along with somebody like a Wilmer Flores. Uh, who, who, again, who's been good, 14th on the ESPN player rate. That, that's solid. That's fine. It's not awful. But you'd much prefer him as your middle as opposed to your starting shortstop. So what are you looking at for Correa if you've got uh, most of your top $100 left? You know, I dropped about 25% of what I have left on him. Okay. With the caveat, because he's still young, um, it's not like he was torching AAA. You know, mind you, and there's going there's going to be a period of adjustments. We saw it last year with with George Springer. We've seen it with just about every young kid that comes up. There's some period of adjustments. Uh, I think 25 to 30 percent of what I have left. I think I'm going to agree with that. And it sounds like uh, that that that's that's the starting point though for me. So I'm still still maybe a little bit uh, more aggressive uh, on on that end where I would go a little bit higher. Again, you have to do league context here. I know that that part, uh, you know, I'm putting a little bit of the uh, of the um, of the work back on on folks because you have to you have to adjust it to your league. It's it's just every league is so different. But yeah, start around 25, 30 percent, and then if you guys are higher bidders, I could get up to 40, 50 percent because I do feel like he could be that kind of high impact. It's a high risk maneuver, but um, you you have to try. I mean. You're saving the money for this kind of this kind of big boom, and yes. there aren't going to be many other booms that that that, that can happen. You know that this this is one of the last chances to get somebody who could be a major major impact for the for your team for about four months of the season. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this: if it was if we were talking about an AL only league, and now you've got Mark Trumbo or Carlos Correa. I'm, you know, I'm willing to spend more money on Carlos Correa because of the position. I mean, Talent yes. Wars were an OBP league, and I have a bid in on Trumbo, but I'm not hoping to win it. I'm just hoping to get somebody to spend some fab. <laughs> but I don't. I mean, I need OBP in this league, and, and I did. Last thing I need is to add a Mark Trumbo. I, I'm already good in home runs. I, I need, I need RV, and we'll talk more about that later. But I need that. Let's look about how this works for the Astros. You know, now that you've got Jonathan VR has actually been hitting well lately. Yeah, he's still stinky. He's still not good defensively, but he's been hitting well. And then you've got Carl, you've got Luis Valbuena that's playing third base that has not been hitting well. Uh, and how, you know, how do you see this situation? How do you see this situation playing out? Well, it, I'm looking like, like at this uh, at this platoon situation that they had with Marwin Gonzalez. And, and Jonathan VR, it was kind of an offense-defense setup, as Eno and I spoke about earlier in the week with Marwin kind of holding up the defensive end and, and, and VR doing his offensive end. Obviously, they're going to take a big hit. But I, I could see some trickle-down that could affect Valbuena because, you know, Correa could play, play some third, too. And I don't know that Valbuena and – or excuse me, that uh, – um, 
that Marwin and uh, VR are necessarily going to just be completely out of the picture. Now, Gonzalez might be able to play some third, and so that's going to cut into Valbuena. Uh, Correa could go over there. That will cut into it. So I liked Valbuena as kind of a low-dollar pick this year to get you some cheap power, and he's doing that, but he, but he's doing it at a little bit too poor of a, a batting average. I, I, I was cool with him in last year's uh, 249 area, mm-hmm. but 188 this year, I, ca- I can't hang on that. Uh, it looks like he's completely selling out for power. So I think he's, yeah. he's the big loser here, I think, overall. Um, and, and VR. He and VR are the biggest biggest losers in this situation because Gonzalez can still slide over to third. So even though he's not a great bat, I still don't think this hurts him quite as much. I think, you know, VR may get some time there, too. Over the last month, VR's triple slash line has been 310, 349, 483. And he's been playing you know, semi-regularly. Mm-hmm. So he's been hitting. Oh, he's got some, look at, okay, he's got some third base. So, yeah, let, let me look. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't you look know at that. Valbuena, you look at Valbuena, 182-45-371 over the past month. Uh, and he doesn't hit lefties at all. So nope. he's already he's already being platoon. In fact, they've had to play him against some lefties uh, just because of, of lack of other resources there. And, you know, this kind of segues into something else. I own both guys in tout. I have I had Lowry, and I had uh, you know at the starting today I had Luis Valbuena, and you know Lowry got hurt, so I picked up VR and I spent a good chunk of change to pick him up, and he's been good. He hasn't hit for the power, but I haven't needed it. But Valbuena, being an OBP league, he's been absolutely killing me. And today I pulled the trigger on a deal trading Valbuena and Jesus Montero, who have been sitting on the bench. And I picked up Trevor Plouffe at third base, okay. and I picked up Andrew Romine because I needed so I needed a middle infield eligible person, sure. so I could slide Jake Elmore over to second base while I wait. You know, now now that you know uh, with Jed Lowry, where's he going to play when he comes back? Third base? No, see that. Well, maybe. Maybe he goes to third, but yeah, at that point, that's when I would think that Correa would 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 shift over to third if he if he's happy. I don't know how you. I don't know. I just, I don't know how you. I think Correa is just locked in at shortstop. I don't think they move him at all. Okay, well then then yeah, then Lowry's gonna because Lowry's gonna play. They signed him. Uh, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna amend my biggest losers here, and I, it's gonna be Valbuena on the top all by himself with uh, with Gonzalez next, and then VR Lois because I, I I didn't realize that he had, he had third base. Cable. I thought he was more of a like a shortstop. Although if you can play shortstop, you can pretty much play anywhere. So I should have assumed. And I had no idea. I had no idea this was happening. I've been shopping Valbuena for a couple of days because I I'm looking at my home runs and I'm like I need to make a move for him. I tried. I'd offered him to Andy Barons. I offered him to like two or three, and I just happened to remember this is where. If, if we go back to draft day, this is where you kind of go back and remember one of the draft strategies. Remember who the who the guy was bidding up against you. Yeah. And Ron and I got into the bidding war about Valbuena, and he mentioned it to me after the draft. I really like Valbuena. I you know I was when I looked at it and saw the money you had, I knew it was going to end up costing me. I said I liked him too, second and third base eligible. He's got cheap power, and I made a run for him. And so then I said, okay, maybe let me try, let me go back and see what Ron still thinks about Valbuena. And I, I mentioned, hey, I'm looking to move some power for OBP. If you're interested, let me know. And he came back and said Trevor Plouffe. And one-to-one, I would have done it. Straight yeah. out would have done it because we've talked about how we like Plouffe and how he's, you know, we're using him in labor. But I said, okay, but I need to look. I need to find a second baseman because all I had in my roster is Christian Colon, who never, ever plays on my bench. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I tried to get Gordon Beckham from him just because he plays second base, and he wasn't willing to do that. I tried to add Max Muncy, and he didn't want to do that. And I mentioned Jacob Lindgren. And then I said, okay, if I give you Montero, how about Romine? And he said, okay. 
Nice. And, and that's how the trade came together. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I, I think that, you know, even without this Valbuena news, even if he was still uh, kind of going to get his full complement, a lot of right-handed at-bats, and I, I wouldn't want him to get left-handed. But even even with that, um, I would still like this because I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in Plouffe. And, you know, he's kind of fallen back a little bit to basically what he was last year. But he was good last year too. So that's the thing about Plouffe. I just, I just think he's a good player. And like I said, as much as I like Valbuena coming into the year, that average OBP combo of 188 255 is is disastrous i mean it's awful so 12 homers can only do so much for you so i like that trade and i think obviously it works out a lot better for you now obviously you didn't even know correa was going to get called up but now it looks even better so that's a good one and we'll talk more about our deal that that makes Ploof a starter for us in, in, in a little bit. But let's talk a little bit more news here. Uh, Brad Boxberger is dealing with some tricep tightness. Curious your read on this one. Obviously, with uh, w- with Jake McGee back, it's not going to hurt the club uh, terribly if, if this is something that, uh, that Boxberger has to nurse for a little while. But on the fantasy landscape, those with Boxberger have been getting a, a pretty standout performance. Those with McGee may may have been thinking that McGee would get the job back upon returning, and and obviously that hasn't happened. Do you think this opens the door for McGee, or is this a short-term thing for Box, Boxberger? I think it's a well. I, I want to say it's a short-term thing, but as we as I've ranted and raved about in the past, nothing's ever as clean as it should be with this team when it comes to injuries. I mean, here he's been. He had that 31-pitch outing on Wednesday night in Anaheim that he didn't pitch Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So when he didn't pitch, when he wasn't even warming up today, that kind of like raised my eyebrow. Like, okay, yeah. what's going on? And then after the game, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, he's uh, you know, dealing with some tricep soreness. And they said you know, he feels like he can pitch on Tuesday. He threw today and felt fine. Again, we'll see what happens. If you're you – know, obviously with Monday lineups, if you're going to set them, I think it's just a reliever. You're going to have to set them. I – you know, mixed feelings because I was touting Jensen all offseason. I said, you know what? If anybody's going to step in and get saves, I think it's going to be him. You can get him cheap. And I got him in three leagues, and he was on the bench in two of them this week. Oh, so yeah. F me. You know, I had to I had to bench him because in one of the leagues, it's like if you pick up somebody in, in, in free agent, you have to start them the week after you pick them up. Yep. Uh, so I, I'm looking, I'm like, and I'm, I'm chasing wins in this league, and I'm doing so poorly in saves already. Because I have Cecil there, and I was like, um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and sit Jepson. And then he picks up three saves this week. I'm like, come on. That's uh, but no, I, this is – yeah, it really is tough because I, I would have doubled my save total for the season. Uh, but, you know, when you look when you look at Jepson, the skills are there. He was hitting 97. You know, it really it – really uh, skills were on display on Friday night. Lead-off triple to Austin Jackson and stranded him there in a, in a one-run game. One so good. Yeah, it was really nice. And today, the ninth inning – you know, he gets Cruz on three pitches, fastball, curveball, and he got Cruz a swing a foot and a half over another one, gets Trumbo, and then uh, defense, you know, didn't get Trumbo, got Seager, and then uh, Elmore commits a defensive error, and Logan Morrison, uh, Jepson missed the fastball, he's supposed to throw it outside, got in, and Morrison hit a single, and then uh, then somebody scored, then it was a, a Brad Miller hit the other way, uh, knocked in a run or something, and you know, then he, he was able to shut the door. But still, he looks every bit the part of a closer. Uh, like the thing, I just would kind of watch Boxberger because you know this is tricep soreness. He and before this, he wasn't looking that good either. I, I, I tweeted it out a week and a half ago or so. His command's been iffy lately. Oh boy, velocity's been fine, but command has not been not been too sharp. It, it, you know, he used to be automatic. He's bring that dude in, boom, game. boom, boom. And he just hasn't looked as sharp in recent weeks. 
He, I mean, he is walking for uh, Boxberger is up at uh, four walks per nine right now. So uh, up, up over it, even at, at 4.2, uh, up from 2.8 last year. So that fits. So you're saying that the, the go get is Jepson, not necessarily McGee. Yeah, I mean, McGee, his, I watched him pitch today. He came into the eighth inning. I mean, if you look at the pattern this week, Jepson's been the guy coming in late. McGee's been the guy they've used uh, to get there. But McGee was 94. I mean, last year, McGee was living 96 to 98, sometimes 99. Today, he was living 94, and he touched 90s. He hit 98 once, but it was a pitch way out of the strike zone. So, you know, Jepson's the play. Okay. Wow. That, that That's great. So, uh, yeah, because, you know, McGee probably still being held in your league by somebody, but Jepson not necessarily. Uh, and obviously with the saves on the ledger, that's going to get some attention. So you're going to have to go out there and probably be a little bit aggressive. If you need saves, Jepson, I'd, I'd put a significant bid out there. You never know because, listen, here's the one thing with the Rays, too. When, when you're going to get a holdover, you don't always have to feel bad that, that it's going to be a short-term thing because the Rays are not afraid to just make the new guy the guy and tell the other guy, listen, you know, it's no, nothing personal. We're just going to leave him there, and you're going to go ahead and do this role now. And, and they just kind of keep chugging, uh, chugging along. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the kind of situation that we saw here with Jepson. So, uh, yeah, go out and put a decent bid on him uh, if you get a chance to tonight. Let's talk about another injury here, and this one might be a little bit uh, less uh, concerning, but I just want to get your take on it again because of how much you do follow the Rays. Evan Longoria nursing kind of a wrist injury. I believe he missed uh, he missed today and yesterday. Was that what he missed the whole weekend? So uh, what's going on with Longoria? Anything that you're concerned about long term or just something that he's got to get a little bit healthy and then uh, and then he'll be fine? Uh, more of the latter. I mean, he came in as a pinch runner in the game, but they did not let him stay in the game. So legs are fine. Okay. Uh, so he came in and pinch ran, but after the after the inning, he uh, stayed on the bench. They didn't let him even play the field uh, in this in a, in a one run. At the time, it was a two run game, but a two run game, and they made all these other defensive changes, but they didn't let him uh, come in and do it. So you know that may speak to a little bit, but he's been playing just about every day. So yeah, it's really one of these things where he's been. On that kind of uh, on that kind of grind with it, okay. And offensively, I mean, he really hasn't been hit with power over the last month. You know, three fifty nine slug, I and mean, this is kind of the slumps that we saw him in in the past. So this this must been have must been nagging him for a bit because the numbers aren't there. But frankly, I wouldn't expect him to be there because there's no reason to pitch to him. None. No. You look at the rest of the lineup today. I, I tweeted out a picture of tumbleweeds down there at the bottom because it was mm-hmm. Nick Franklin, Mikey Maddock. Renee Rivera and uh, Bobby Wilson. That was the six oh, through nine. Wow. Maddock ended up hitting a home run in the seventh inning, but like nothing else bit. happened. But they had they had Bobby Wilson catching Renee Rivera playing first base. I mean, this that's gross, yuck. But that's what. It, there's no reason to pitch to him. I mean, Logan Forsythe honestly is the best hitter on this team right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I, then Joey and Butler. I, was I say, can't even Butler make the case. In the short term has been. And the Butler, that, that's a whole house of cards that's getting ready to fall apart. I mean, two percent walk rate and thirty percent strikeout rate. It's all going to fall apart. But right now, he and Forsyth are the ones making the hardest contact on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally hear you on, on Butler. It can't, it can't hold with these, with these skills, folks. I know that the numbers are very enticing. But uh, they just can't hold. What's up with Matuk? Is he is he anything? I know he's, he's shown some power, and he was a he was a top pick in that year when they had five thousand picks. But uh, he doesn't look particularly special. Uh, is there more here than meets the eye? I really think he's another Brandon Geyer. Okay, maybe with better defense, he can play. He can play all three spots. But I really think he's another Brandon Geyer. 
And you know, by he may be up for to stay because the Desmond Jennings things is not getting any better. I didn't, I wasn't able to listen to uh, what you guys talked about this week, but I'm assuming you talked about Desmond Jennings seeing an e specialist. There is absolutely no timetable for his return. None. Ugh. Well, so then they're going to have to rely on Guy or Matuk and, and uh, Kiermaier and Souza, so they'll have that, that rotation. And then uh, I guess well, basically the outfield against against right-handed pitching, it's De Jesus, it's Kiermaier, it's Souza against lefties. It's going to be Geyer, Maddock, and, and Sousa. Sousa is the only outfielder that's going to play every day yep. um, come hell or high water. But that's really what the, the rotation is. And then DH is, you know, it's been Longoria getting some days off every now and then. Or sometimes it's been uh, somebody else. But that's really how it's going to play out right now. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on then and talk a little bit about uh, an injury that could have derailed a call up here, unfortunately. And Javier Baez was uh, getting things on track here for the 2015 season in AAA with the Iowa Cubs. Uh, he's kind of raking with a 927 OPS, eight bombs, six steals. Everything was looking good uh, for Baez. And then a broken finger on Sunday uh, is going to derail him for at least a little while. Only, you know, I say this. I, I, not tongue in cheek, but you know, I, kind of from where he's at, only a 26% strikeout rate, which which for him is actually uh, a substantial huge improvement. improvement. Yeah, and so you know he's got the broken finger. They're talking four to eight weeks, so this this really sucks for him and, and the Cubs. Obviously, they have an embarrassment of riches, but they did not want to lose this guy. What do you think of this situation with Baez now? It's, I mean, given the, you know the death of his sister and everything he's had to overcome for that, this really sucks for him. You know, maybe Alcantara gets a bump back up for it. But, you know, when he's going to miss two months like this, this is really, really unfortunate uh, for him. And I think, you know, along these same lines with, with Baez, you know, we, we did see Correa come up today. But then, you know, kind of the third guy in all of this mix as far as shortstops of the future with uh, Francisco Lindor was passed over for a promotion. Oh, you know, the, uh, the Indians decided they, they brought up Zach Walters. Oh, Wow. And he's a guy that we talked about in the offseason. Walters yeah. has got some pop. Uh, you know, he's got some he's got some versatility. He can play the out. He's played some outfield. He's played some third place. He's played some second base. Kind of you know the old if you can't play you know if you play three positions you really don't you play, can't any, play any. any. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I I wanted to put a bid on him tonight because I liked him as a sleeper coming into the year. But he it was a shoulder knee. Something happened to him right a week before the draft, and then he I'm like oh crap he's gonna be out. Or maybe it was an oblique for him. But he only yeah you know, I. I don't have anywhere. If I bid on him tonight, I'd have to bench one of my four outfielders, which would be Martinez, Gardner, Tucker, and uh, another guy. There's four guys, uh, four everyday outfielders I have. I'm like, I don't want to bench one of those guys for him. And he was one game shy of qualifying for second base. I'm like, ah. Yeah, so I was like, I don't want to bid on him. I I just don't want to make the room. But, you know, Walters is a guy, if you're in a deep AL league, you're looking for some pop. He'd be a guy to throw a bid in on tonight as well. Yeah, Zach Walters um, you know, has shown some pop in the past. I am surprised that 17 homers last year uh, in just 67 games and then was up and down a bit with, with Washington and Cleveland. Um, with regards to Lindor, the real bummer there is that their defense, their team defense has been putrid and really hurting some of those pitchers. And I thought yes. I thought that alone would get Lindor some some priority uh, in terms of getting called up, but maybe they're just too underwhelmed by the bat right now uh, that he'd be too much of a negative, even with the big defensive boost. So that's I'm a-, a bit surprised too. I thought defensively, I thought it, I thought it was a lock. Of course, I did wave Lindor last week and and, and uh, tout because I just couldn't carry he and Montero, nah. and I figured at least Montero had trade value. Sure enough, he did. I was able to move him. Jason, this was the the easiest call of the year, and I, I almost feel bad because at, at this point, when when it, when it 
when it hits so easily, uh, you almost feel like you're piling on at that point to kind of be like, well, hey, we all got this one right. Uh, Danny Santana was opt- optioned to Triple A. I-, I can honestly say I-, I didn't even really see why people were trying to make a case that he could even be okay. You know, uh, I think everyone, even even his most ardent believers, understood that the the batting average on balls in play was going to come down from from 500, or excuse me, from 400 last year. But it just didn't seem like there was anything really underneath that. Anyway, uh, he did have a little bit of a power, power speed combo, but once that faded and they realized that he's not a threat at all, what, you know, who, who's pitching to him? And so Danny Santana with a 526 OPS, zero homers, four stolen bases in seven opportunities is headed down to AAA. Again, not surprising, but what do you think of this? Yeah, it, really. Not, I mean, the 401 batting average and balls in play, I think this is your lesson when you're looking at the aforementioned Joey Butler, when you're looking at Chris Colabello, you know, two guys I've had a lot of questions about on Twitter lately. What do you think about this? Can they keep this up? I'm like, no. You know, you, you, should I pick them up? No, you missed you missed the good stuff already. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, guys like that stay in, stay in AAA a long time for a reason. Now, you can say, oh, what about you touting Nelson Cruz for so many years and he finally doing that? No. These guys aren't going to be Nelson Cruz either. They're, they're t- making the most of an opportunity, just like Santana did last year. But this, you know, this is why we, we see things. This is why we all warned you. You know, take you know, plan plan accordingly. If you're going to take them, have some alternative plan. It, it, I didn't even bid dollar two on him anymore. There no. were leagues where I could have used him. I, just, I was like, no way. I, I, I just surprised he lasted it. this long. Surprised he lasted exactly. This long. Uh, Danny Santana last year, 405 batting average on balls and play this year, 299, which is you know right around average there. And, and, and maybe he could have expected a little bit of a higher one, like a, like in the 320s because of his speed, but obviously wasn't even there. So you know, 106 points right off of his BABIP. All, and, and we shouldn't be surprised that there are 102 points off of his batting average from 319 to 217. That was the real problem was that he needed a 405 BABIP to still only hit 319. You would expect with that high of a BABIP a much better batting average. So uh, Danny Santana goes down. Uh, who's going to benefit here most, do you think? Is it going to be one of the two guys that everyone mixes up between Eduardo Escobar and Eduardo Nunez? Oh, God, maybe Esker. I mean, Nunez is so bad defensively. I don't know how the Twins can carry him in the lineup on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. They did call back up Kenneth Vargas in this situation, so I doubt they called him up to sit him. That's true. Um, in this, I'm just really curious to see how they how they play the lineup out. But uh, Nunez is, is so bad defensively. It's I don't like know an- really how they... How they can do it. Uh, roster resource has it with uh, with it, it'll be Dozier, Hunter, Mauer, Plouffe, Rosario, Vargas, Suzuki, Eduardo Escobar, and then Aaron Hicks. That seems that seems like a pretty solid guess there. Eduardo Escobar, I mean, is not really doing any better than Danny Santana. He's a 5.92 OPS. So, uh, you know, are there any shortstops that who, who could be on the market that if if Minnesota convinces themselves that they're that they're better than than what I think they are, at least, because of their pitching. Is there any shortstops they could go out and get, you think? You think they'll be knocking down the door over in Houston, even for Marwin Gonzalez? Yeah, I was going to say, Jonathan Villar. I would say Jonathan Villar, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, you know, the Brad Miller situation, or Chris Taylor over in, um, in, in Seattle. Yeah. Possibly those. I mean, hell, Ian Desmond with the Nationals. I mean, if they want to make a splash. He's in a, he's in a walk. He's in a walk year. And you look at, you know, the Nationals are, are, I mean, I know it kind of sounds ludicrous, like, oh, my God, how could they consider trading him? But, you know, if 
you, these two teams got together in the past when one of them needed something, and that's how the Twins got Alex Meyer. And you can say, okay, do you want him back? <laughs> I mean, with 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 Rendon back up, and you know they've had Escobar playing third base. I mean, I, Espin- I don't and they've know. got Espinosa. I mean, that 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 could be that could be a match there. Even Espinosa could be could be the option. Um, you know, he's hitting really well right now, so they could sell him at a peak, believing that Desmond will come back which I, I tend to believe as well. Um, I think he'll come back a lot more to his level, maybe not all the way up to last year. So, yeah, so th- there could be some options out there. But right now it's looking like Eduardo Escobar is going to be the, the beneficiary there. And I guess AL only because of how bad shortstop is if you need a guy, go ahead. Uh, let's talk about a couple guys who threw today and threw brilliantly. And then uh, we get to ask the question that we always ask when a young pitcher starts to really – emerge and uh we'll keep it on the the landscape of, of fantasy but uh chris archer and jacob de are they are they are they fantasy aces in your estimation jason oh my god chris archer has been unbelievable i mean three straight start 38 strikeouts zero walks one run i mean one, one earned run it's so gross the beautiful thing is i traded for him just before this streak happened so that's <sighs> the three starts that he's had on my team oh my and god I, and i'm like yes this is so nice that's so um, good yeah, it, it, you know, it just happened that the guy that, in fact, it's the commissioner of the league, and he just, I really liked his team coming out of the draft, and it just has not worked for him. And I just happened to get in some dialogue, and he goes, Yeah, people have been asking me for Archer. And I was just like, All right, what'll take? And it's not a big money league, but I'm in fourth place as a, you know, as a, as the new guy in the league. I was up as high as second at one point, but Chris Archer's definitely helped me out. And when you watch him pitch, it's really just a matter. He's still doing this basically fastball and slider. Yeah. Uh, but we've talked. You know, if if you're not going to have a third pitch, you better have two damn good ones. And his are unbelievable. His slider right now, it's 80 grade slider stuff. It's so uh, dirty. The 113th pitch of the game today. His last pitch of the game was a 92 mile an hour slider that oh Logan God, Morrison lo- almost twisted himself into a knot swinging at, or Seth Smith, one of the two of them. It was filth. I mean, Seth Smith's a good batter too. He's got Absolutely. really good pitch recognition. He doesn't chase garbage, and I, it was either here. I want to say it was him. Was, was the last? Uh, he was the last batter, but it was a filthy pitch. And then the fastball command's been ridiculous for him. I mean, there was that a particular bat against Austin Jackson where it was away slider and fastballs down, 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 down to the pitch six. Gave him a fastball up at his shoulders, and he couldn't help but swing at it. Now, to Jackson's credit, he did the same thing the next time around, and Jackson got just enough wood to hit it over the shortstop's head. But he's putting he's putting these balls just about where the catcher's asking for it. Maybe a little bit off here or there, but the fastball command is stupid, and he's throwing that slider at any point in the count. It's, any point. It's so dirty. I mean, it, it, it's it's just incredible some of the stuff that's that that Archer's doing right now with, with his pitching, and uh, you know, I think there's a lower. Uh, barrier for entry in terms of becoming a fantasy ace as opposed to a quote-unquote real-world ace. Um, and so with that in mind, it, at least in my – the way I think everyone kind of does it differently in what they define as an ace. But for me, I'm a little bit tighter on the on the real-life ace as opposed to fantasy. Um, and with that, I can, I can probably allow for closer to the mid-teens of fantasy aces. And I definitely think Archer uh, has played himself into one. I mean – I've been a huge fan of the guy uh, because he's so smart. I love the way he thinks about pitching and, and, and the way he talks about it. It's so great. And the development has just been so great. The only thing I ever worry about with him is ever getting hurt because he has two major precursors, the, the heavy slider usage and the, the overwhelming velocity. But, you yes. know, all pitchers carry risks. So I, I, I made, I've made a decision 
you know, in recent years to not run away from every guy who has injury precursors because they're all, you know, if I, if I just believe in the talent, then just believe in the talent and enjoy it. And that's, that's where I'm at with, with Archer. I believe in the talent. And if it breaks, it breaks because pitchers break. That's just what happens. It's must see TV. It's must see TV right now with him. It really him, is. Garrett Cole, DeGrom, uh, you know, Felix Hernandez. I hated being on the, the losing end of that crap again, second time in a week. But dude, it's just, and even Felix didn't even look that good the other day. And, and he, he, that's probably the worst I've ever seen Felix Hernandez pitch when I've tuned in. I know the Yankees bombed him the other day, which mm-hmm. was just weird. But Felix didn't even look that good yesterday, and he still was effective and gave up uh, one run, zero, one run. Speaking of, let's go ahead and transition and talk about uh, something that occurred to, for us that we, we talked about on Twitter. So if you do follow us, you've probably already seen it, and you know what we're going to talk about here. But we just recently acquired Felix Hernandez on the labor team that we own together because we really needed pitching. It, it, it just wasn't coming together. Our, our backup to Kershaw was Cobb, and, and Cobb got hurt. But I stand firm that that would have been a perfectly capable one-two punch. Because honestly, if Cobb had pitched this year, I think he'd be doing something, maybe not exactly with what uh, Archer's doing with the strikeouts, but he'd also be breaking out. And, and and those two, I mean, they're already fighting for first. They're you know they're first every other day. I can't even imagine where they would be if if, if Cobb had been there too. Let alone Smiley, but just Archer and 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 Cobb. I thought were going to be such a dynamic one-two punch. But anyway, uh, we lost Cobb obviously, so we were running with Kershaw and then really a ragtag group of 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 garbage, relatively speaking. I mean, we're talking lost Smiley s- several tiers below. Yeah, we lost we lost uh, Smiley, and and so. You know, it became a problem, and uh, we realized, listen, you know, we're, we're not, we don't really, we're not trying to get second or third place. We want to try to win, and the only way that that's going to happen is if we repair this pitching drastically. And our hitting has been really clicking pretty well, at, particularly at third base, where we found ourselves with a major stockpile led by the best third baseman in the universe right now, Josh Donaldson. Oh, sorry, I guess. oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was good. I like that. So we ended up go ahead uh, and did a one up one for one with the with the best trader in all fantasy sports, uh, Fred Zinke, uh, Josh Donaldson for Felix Hernandez, and you know, try, we try, I tried to get greedy. You 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 weren't. You were like, nah, man, let's we we can just do this. I, I was trying to be greedy and uh, maybe get a little throw in. Try to parlay. I was trying to parlay Donaldson's hot streak and the fact that Hernandez had just gotten smashed. But Fred wasn't buckling. Like I said, best trader in fantasy sports. No surprise. He said, let's just do the one-for-one, one, Paul. Patted me on the head, and we locked up the deal. So uh, that's where we yeah. are. Yeah, the go big or go home. I mean, here's the here's how this whole thing came about. So, you know, we're doing well offensively, and our pitching staff stinks for all the reasons you've already mentioned. Uh, Fred, I believe, spent five of his first ten picks on pitching, and his offense is doing poorly, especially in the home run area. Now, Fred, uh, you know, his team is, uh, you know, still, he's in fourth. fourth place. I wish I could, our team could be doing that poorly. I, I wish I could be, be struggling high. and be in fourth, exactly. Right. So his offense is really, but he's got pitching. I mean, he had he had Bumgarner and he had Felix, and I forget, he had something else, too. So he said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about trading Bumgarner. And so we were like, you know, he's desperate for power. Let's try the A-Rod route. And that really wasn't biting. No. And then I remember we went back and forth kind of on a – he said uh, Donald – he said like uh, Bumgarner and Pilar for Felix uh, – for, uh, for, for Donaldson. And we said no. Uh, and then I was like, you know, you know, we got to do something here. And then I remember replying one of his emails and said, what I hear you saying is basically King Felix for Donaldson, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And he's like, well, yeah, and then he gave us four choices, and we have, there was two of them we looked at, and we're like, you know what? The one-for-one's a straight, was the simplest thing, and, and this is the kind of impact we need for pitching. And hopefully you know, he can do his thing, and now we've got Kershaw, and now we've got King Felix. And so you know, strikeouts are going to be there, and hopefully and, and you know, we've got Jesse Hans looked well of late. We picked up Trevor yeah. May. Who's been doing? I mean, he and he and Mike Pelfrey. I mean, they what a turnaround those two have been doing. Right. But if we're going to try to make this, if we're going to try to make this push in pitching, this is what we have to do. So we'll, we'll be able to make some noise in strikeouts, which we're going to be. We're middle of the pack in strikeouts, middle of the pack in WHIP. Our ERA, we're dead freaking last in the league. We got you figured rubbed. that's got to get better. We got rubbed this week, Ruby De La Rosa. I know it's for oh. folks, but we got rubbed. Uh, for a 1260 ERA that hurt and yet despite getting rubbed we still had the fourth best uh, ERA for the week at 259 and that's without having Felix yet obviously we we, we consummated this trade midweek so we're just going to get him Chase Anderson was great Han you mentioned of course Clayton uh, Kershaw was excellent for two May was brilliant Williams Perez did not work out very well in, in his first start for us but Erasmo and Edgar uh, excuse me and Eduardo Rodriguez were both good too so um, I, you know, I think right away, uh, Felix goes in for Rubby. Let, let's let Rubby get a break. He's got a two start this week, both on the road, LA Dodgers and the giants. And both yep. of those teams have a lot of left-handed pop that can absolutely yep. destroy Ruby. So, um, City. He, there's not a chance he's in the lineup this week. Ploof goes in directly for Donaldson and, and then we kind of keep, keep hammering it away. I'm really hoping that one of, you know, uh, between Han and Eduardo, and, and and I guess throw May in there. His skills have really been strong. One of those three kind of stays where the you know continues to be awesome. At at the very least, at least one of those three need to continue to stay to be awesome, so that we have Kershaw, Felix, and then a, and then a third there. And then I think we'll figure it out. I mean, we still got we still got moves to make too. This offense is 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 pretty strong. So I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with what we've done here. Yeah, I was making the point about May earlier. Would you you know over the past thirty days? Would you believe that Trevor May has a higher swinging strike rate than your Donald Ventura does? I mean, I would because I've been I've been watching a lot of Trevor May, like really studying a lot on Trevor May, and that's why I went out and you know put 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 the bid and made sure we try to get it. We and we I think we took a couple. Uh, we I think we took that Toronto start on the chin when we first got him. Um, yes. And it wasn't even that bad. Six innings, four, four runs, but it's like ah, dang it. But you know the skills have just been there pretty much all year, uh, a 50 to nine strikeout to walk ratio. So I'm not really that surprised. But yeah, it probably shocks a lot of folks because Jordana Ventura came in with a lot of hype, and then Trevor May was pretty much an afterthought. But remember, this was a pretty a pretty legitimate prospect. I wouldn't say blue chip, but uh, whatever the next level would be, is that green chip or however uh, you you would want to make the distinction. I think he was kind of that that just that second level below there as a uh, a mid top 100 guy guy kind of in that 50 to 60 range so I, I like Trevor May I think he's somebody that should be picked up honestly I like him way 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 better than the guys that are both toting uh sub three ERAs Mike Pelfrey and Kyle Gibson well Kyle Gibson's that is at three even right now but I, I, I think Trevor May is is a much better investment than both of those guys Yes, I, I agree. You know, I'm glad you mentioned uh, during that you talked about Toronto and I think it's worth mentioning you know quietly Drew Hutchinson's turning the season around. Big time. I don't know if people have noticed it, Big but time. quietly, Drew Hutchinson is turning the season around, and so is Aaron Sanchez, for that matter. Both of these guys look better. You know, if you look at uh, Hutchinson, first six versus last six, 
And, you know, he's on a roll lately. And when I looked at it, because Keith Law had tweeted something out saying, you know, first six starts, garbage, last six, you know, unbelievable. Throw, you know, the, the little icon, but, you know, hands up in the air. Like, you know, I don't know how to figure I don't know how to figure this guy out. But over his last six starts, 282 ERA, 1.04 whip. And you look at it, and it's 36 strikeouts, five walks, two home runs, and 38 innings. And really, it's all about him using his fastball more. You know, not trying to get so cute and really working off his fastball and commanding it. But that's the run that he's on. Aaron Sanchez, 288 ERA, 128 whips. So the whip's not as, as strong. He's but Hutchinson, obviously, a guy that I was touting as a sleeper Cy Young dude uh, going into the season, it really looks better right now. The overall numbers are still kind of crappy. You may be able to make a move on him if people aren't paying attention. But, you know, that's kind of guy, if you're looking at down the stretch to see what can I get out of him, because right now when I'm looking at his, uh, he has made 12 starts. I just want to see what his uh, uh, ratios were overall, because I know the ERA is still in the fours and yeah, the whip is still high. So 129, 491, 129. Yeah, that should be that should be acquirable in leagues. He's looking much better of late. I completely agree. That's a great name. Obviously, one that that all three of us have, uh, with Eno as well, spoke a lot about in the off season. Uh, very high on him, and I think folks are finally starting to see why. In case, first off, in case they missed his his debut, which was great, uh, and only saw his next four, which were awful. Actually, there was one good one mixed in there too. So, but you know, you get the point. Four of his first six were garbage which is why he had a 747 era uh coming into that this next set that uh, has been fantastic for him so i like drew hutchison you know i jumped off the train for a little while i had to i had to bench him in some leagues um but you know i kept i kept saying listen i understand if you want to move on but i'd find a way to try to hang on here uh you know i was saying the same thing about shane green and then eventually just said nope now you can officially jump off because he just doesn't have consistent command right now he he can't he, the stuff can still look great it, within the bad starts even for Green, but uh, it, it's just not consistent enough to trust on the fantasy landscape at all right now. All right, but he has Shane Green has the Cubs coming up this week. In a one-start week, he's got a high strikeout team in the Cubs. Yeah. I, I had initially pulled him out of my lineup in Tout Wars, but I have him in because it's the Cubs. I mean, I don't blame you because he's shown that he can still miss miss bats uh, every once in a while. You know, six against the Milwaukee, uh, four in, in in five and two thirds against Oakland, eight in that four and a third uh, meltdown against Minnesota. It's weird that you know some of his worst outings were when he was getting strikeouts. So. For me, I, I benched him. I went ahead and just took a breather because I couldn't. Uh, for me, I, maybe it's a little bit tougher when it's your favorite team too because you're like, God, it's just so bad, and I'm taking a hit in all my fantasy teams. But um, you know that matchup in particular, I understand folks wanting to pick on the Cubs. You understand the risk because of what the when they're hot, they can really do some damage. But I understand the risk. I'm personally not taking it this week with Green though. We had a request on Twitter earlier uh, today, Andrew Kashner. Somebody wanted to talk about Andrew Kashner and what's gone on with him. You know, in in April, you know, 260 batting average against. You know, strikeouts were kind of it was 27 uh, percent, and the ratios were strong. 261 ERA, but WHIP was high because of the of the uh, you know he's getting hit around a little more than we're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since May 1st, 510 ERA, a buck 51 WHIP, strikeout rates down to 21 percent, still better than league average, but. Uh, the only thing I see when I'm looking at him uh, is just he's elevating stuff. 
And that's not where Andrew Castro, when I, I've seen uh, probably about seven innings of work from him. But now that I'm looking at heat maps and where he's been pitching, I'm seeing a lot of stuff up. And that's not where Andrew Kashner should be living. No, we, we, I think, you know, you know, and I've had some talk about that, or maybe it was you and I with regard to the catcher. Um, and, and there was some thought that maybe that was part of it where, where uh, Norris wasn't able to handle the two-seamer. But uh, once Hedges was behind the plate, maybe that would be better. And then all of a sudden, guess that who? That must have been a you know conversation. So guess who was catching his last start in Cincinnati? It was Norris, um, and you know, but Hedges caught the one before that, and and he gave up five runs in that game. But it had 12 strikeouts, and so Norris catches the five walk, two strikeout game. Hedges catches the 12 strikeout, no walk game. I don't know what if there's something to it right now, but but Kashner's been so erratic, and yet the the one thing is. For all these years, I'm like, well, where are the strikeouts? I know, I know the stuff is there for it, and here are the strikeouts. But with everything else being rotten, so I'm almost like, okay, I'll give back the strikeouts to get last year's ratios back from Kashner. Um, I'm definitely still holding. I'm even, I'm even inquiring about buying. To be honest, though, I think there's just too much talent uh, for it to stay this bad. I don't, I don't think it's so much a uh, an unfixable problem with Kashner right now. I think there are some things to iron out, but things that can easily be ironed out in season, personally. What do you think? Um, yeah, I still believe in the stuff. When I see a guy that's you know traditionally lives down the lower third and all of a sudden is working in the upper third, that's stuff that it seems like a little mechanical. I do remember him saying when you know when the Padres traded Rene Rivera how much he was going to miss uh, miss him and how much he meant to him. Yeah, with, with Austin Hedges though, I mean that's that's such an awesome defensive catcher. Derek Norris, you know, is what he is. But you know, Hedges is so awesome defensively. Cashner would be would kind of be like my Hutchinson kind of kind of guy that I would make a run at because this is not who Andrew Cashner is, and he's still the strikeout rate is still better than league average. The walk rate is still really good. Uh, hit rate is really high for him right now. Yeah, and that's going to come down. Um, I think they've. I think the Padres might be a little bit of a uh, of a Cleveland West situation though I think they might have some defensive issues and their defense sucks yeah where they're letting oh well, they have some defensive issues it sucks yeah they're they're allowing a lot of hits for guys too uh, you know more so than their stuff would 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 really uh, you know usually allow like a nine hits for Tyson Ross 8.4 for shield seems pretty high even um, you know Despagne that, okay, we get that, but uh, even even Ian Kennedy, I, I, you know, he's no stud, but ten hits per nine is that is that really where Ian Kennedy's at right now as a as a pitcher in Petco? That seems a little bit ludicrous. So sure, some of it's probably on him, but a good part of it's probably uh, on that defense right now too with with him. So, uh, but with Cashner, like I said, a, a firm a firm buy still, but uh, I understand the 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 you know being dis, a bit disgruntled with what we've seen so far because of how alluring it's looked at times with the big strikeout totals, but then the rotten, uh, relatively speaking, results. At least that 405 ERA isn't killing you, though. It, it's not. Yeah, this isn't a Chris Tillman situation. Yeah, it's not feeling good, but it's not killing you. Uh, Jason, I want to talk about Michael Franco. Uh, he was, oh, a, you know, he's sure. a big prospect coming up. Uh, definitely had some folks excited, you know, kind of that, that, that last uh, big, prospect piece that that philly has that that's close you know so this could be the one that comes up and everyone puts heaps all the uh heaps all the expectation on even though one guy can only do so much but he's been he's been really good uh he, he was great in triple a this year after you know kind of re, uh, repeating there uh he wasn't great in 2014 as a 21 year old but franco this year has been excellent since getting called up you know 
relative to expectation. I say six homers, a 529 slug. The the average and OBP aren't great, 253 and 286 respectively. He doesn't take walks, but I love that he's only got a 15% strikeout rate at the major league level. Uh, that would seem to bode well for uh, an average spike because he's rocking a 231 BABIP right now with that 253 average. So I think Michael Franco, you know, th- there's there's a lot to like early on here. What do you think? Yeah, when, when you look at him, it's you know high. I, I was talking with uh, another uh, show today, doing some what do we call it, podultery? Yes. Okay, doing some podultery. And I, I mentioned that this kind of reminds me of the uh, Alexi Ramirez situation. Doesn't walk a lot, doesn't strike out a lot, has some power, and I think that's that's kind of where he's going to be. He's never going to be an OBP monster just because he puts too many balls in play, sure. and he's not fast enough to beat out these ground balls. I mean, he's a, he's a power guy. But yeah. This is kind of what you look at. It's the give and take. It limits his upside, but he's got pop, and this is a guy that's going to play every day. I mean, this it should be his. They should not do anything and just let him play every day. And then once Philly completes their fire sale here, which they damn well better have this year, uh, you know, it's – It'd be even more so for him. Maybe they'll wait so, one know, more year on the fires. One oh, more God. year. Yeah, one more year like Don Brown. Just one more How year. How many home runs has Don Brown had this year? One more than you and me. Hey. So, yeah. Yes. Please, please, Philly. I mean, this is a golden opportunity. As, as, as bad as Ruben Amaro Jr. has been overall, you know, to get baseball ranty here for a second, he's played this perfectly. A lot of demand yeah. for Hamels. There's going to be demand for uh, for Ryan Howard. There's going to be demand for Papeldouche. There's going to be demand, uh, you know, at least still movable. He's still, yeah, he's still, I mean, he should be able to really restock this whole thing and, and just go and go for, go for broke with this. And it, it, it's worked out well for him. I don't think this was by design. I mean, it just happens these guys uh, were able to do it. But, you know, Franco's going to be a, a piece for their future. And I, again, I think there's some limit to his upside because high contact guy that doesn't take his walks and, and it's not fast enough to beat those ground, uh, balls out. But, you know, good for him. And this is a guy that I would be interested in in a, in a 12 team mix league. Yeah, absolutely. I like that power output from Michael Franco. Um, we're, we're, as we're wrapping up here, what, what, are, what are some of your, your closing thoughts on, on you know, what's going on? What, what, what's, your, what's one last topic that you definitely want to discuss before we get out? You know, I think I, I retweeted somebody tonight uh, of Baseball America. J.J. Cooper said the amount of young talent in baseball right now so is gross. insane. It's and I, and, and Carlos Correa is like the icing on the cake here. And I, I can't help but echo that. You look at all this stuff. I just want to see some of these guys come back from injury. You know, Rendon coming back. That's a good thing. Uh, hopefully, you know, Smiley yes. at some point here. I, I just really want to see the game is better when 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 we have the young talent on display like this. And summertime is usually a good time for you know weather's heating up, stuff should start happening. We've seen a lot of magical things happening in the summer. You know, Texas Rangers are playing some awesome baseball right now, and uh, it, it's really fun to watch. Even if your teams aren't doing well, baseball as a whole is doing really well this year. Uh, it, it, it is really, you know, ESPN did their, uh, their their franchise draft that they do every year. And that, you know, it's, it's just those 30 picks, but it continues to highlight the obscene amount of, of young talent in the game. And when you, when you see some of these ages, you kind of forget these guys that are in for three, four hey, years. What was the order of that? How did Chris Bryant fall to seventh overall in that? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. How did Jonah Carey get Paul Goldschmidt at 14? I know he's a first baseman, but come on. Wow. Oh, by the way, Lance Lynn's going down the tunnel with a trainer in the game tonight. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter, something about him getting hurt. That, that's not good. Yeah, not good at all. That's, that, that, that'll, open up, that'll open up the Cole Hamels and Ryan Howard to St. Louis for whatever they have in their farm system. Right? 
that 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 will only accelerate them after you know they was already got started with Matt Adams uh, going down the the Ryan Howard piece. So yeah, that that'll just fire it up. Hopefully Lynn isn't isn't too seriously hurt. That's that's terrible. But no, I, I agree with you on the young talent. It's awesome. And you know, but the one thing I think it might do is um, you know test the patience a bit uh, of the fantasy game. And I think somebody like a Drew Hutchison is a great example of that. You know, we know. I think we saw last year a, a lot of, of reasons to get excited. There was a reason. There was good reason why uh, we were so excited that, for him on this podcast because you, you saw the talent there, you saw the stuff, and you saw the development. But I think sometimes, um, you know, basically as a fantasy community, that we see some development and we think it's it's the end. It's done. We're, we, he's he's finished. He's complete. Um, I blame daily baseball. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I blame DFS. Seriously, we're we're even more impatient. Absolutely, I blame DFS. No, that that that's one of the that's one of the downsides of it. It, it it's just added to the impatience, and so you know you take that big hit from your guy from a Drew Hutchison on your DFS team and it highlights it and you're like, well, I should go check on what he's doing for my season long team. You're like, oh my god, now he's you know, and all of a sudden you're trying to make all these moves. And honestly, uh, it's a point that we preach a lot, but I, I haven't maybe I haven't said it in a while, but. You really just got to watch the games. Uh, I spent a lot of time this week getting back to just watching one game, and uh, even though I was playing DFS, because you know I, I do the bounce around, and I do like the MLB Tonight where they do the bounce around stuff. It's great. It's fun. It's a cool way to consume baseball. But I still love just watching a whole game and and just. I love the bounce around stuff. The uh, like yesterday because the Rays have been playing so much West Coast baseball this week. Frick, I hate West Coast stuff. I, that's uh, funny. You know, I was going to mention that too about the Tigers' oh, dude, recent trip. Freaking worse. And you're on. It's worse on the East, of course. Yeah, yeah, and then this week I'm this week I'm going to be in Denver all week, so I at least would have been closer. So if it would have been this week, I'd be like, oh, good, you know, game's on at eight o'clock. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. Too you know, bad. instead, oh my God, there's a couple of times where I fell asleep and woke up in the ninth inning, like uh, the the Austin Jackson triple thing. I fell asleep in the seventh and eighth, woke up in the ninth and saw that happen. It, it just it, it happened, but uh, it's it's one of these. Uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought because I was looking at something else there Sorry. for a second. But yeah, the West Coast baseball thing—it just drives me crazy. But I was watching—I uh, watched Danny Salazar start on Saturday because nice. I'm like, oh, I want to tune into this one. And man, he was nasty in that game. Uh, and today I did a whole bunch of other stuff, but because I, I was like, I'm watching Chris Archer pitch today. That was See, that was yeah. cleared on my schedule. And so I, st- I still like, you know, I, I, I every Tigers game, at least on the iPad, no matter what I, I am. But like, I like still just sitting down and watching, and I, and I, you know. The bounce around's great. I like both methods, but this week I did a little bit more of just sitting there and uh, and listening to a, you know get get involved in the broadcast, you know, because there's like inside jokes after a while, you know, from the second inning. So it's still it's still a great way. I'm not I'm not knocking the uh, the 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 jump around. It's still great, and that's the best uh, comp to red zone that that baseball has is the MLB tonight. Uh, just going game to game with the analysis and you get the right trio of guys on there you know like when brian kenny al Leiter, and then maybe a guy you know even somebody like harold with that with those two because he could be a little bit offset i'd be okay with but uh you know if it's those no, i'm two, never okay with harold never <laughs> ever 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 okay with harold I, I watch so much mlb network that i just i, I no, nobody infuriates me enough to like. I'm gonna turn it. So um, in hell, it's in hell. It's Harold Reynolds and Kurt Schilling on a broadcast. That, that's hilarious. That that that's that's really funny. They could be on. You know, they're 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 two big national guys right now. Eventually, one day they could be on a broadcast together. Although they do, they work for different networks. But um, 
Anyway, yeah, I, I don't even know where I was going with the point of, of watching more baseball. You mentioned Enjoy the games. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, watch, watch the games. Uh, yeah, I was making an actual point because when you watch the games, you learn a little bit more um, than just the numbers. And I know that, that like I said, it's, it's an obvious thing. You hear it all the time, but it, it's worth repeating because uh, the numbers, they're great. I love numbers. But if you don't mix them with watching the game, you're going to have a bad read on guys. It's just not going to be a good enough read for positive or negative. It just doesn't matter. You've got to also watch. So we'll leave with that. Uh, I know, Jason, with, with you traveling, you got to get going. We've got a hard stop here. But we'll be back next week, uh, and, and we'll talk about another prospect, I'm sure. we got you know Gallo earlier this week, Correa now. Who's the next one to come up, Jason? Anybody on, on your docket that uh, is, your, is your last prime guy or anything? Or is this the last really big guy to come up? Honestly, I think this is really it, unless the Twins do something with Buxton. Or, or Barrios. Yeah, more Buxton. I'm really I, – I mean, he's such a special player. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's like that transcendent guy who could be ridiculous. Although, I, I love Barrios. I think he could be an answer to their Barrios thing, as, as Pelfrey blows up and comes back down to earth. And if Gibson, be a good one to watch. if Gibson doesn't get a little oh, more, Gibson too. Either one of them. more swings and misses. So, yeah. But uh, we'll be back in a week. Until then, take care, Jason. You too, bud. All right, bye.